Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Been with us the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we've been talking about some of the um, things that get missed during the Christmas season. I shared with you how I love Christmas. I love Christmas so much, but what I don't like is the commercialized side of Christmas. I like the spiritualized side of Christmas. And what has happened is over the past, I don't know, probably 50 years, the commercialized side of Christmas has overtaken the spiritualized side of Christmas. So what we have been talking about the past few weeks is is kind of the basic Christmas story. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about how Christmas shows us God's power, the fact that he sent his son. um, He crossed over the time continuum thing between heaven and earth, and he left heaven to come here for you and me. That shows us God's power. We talked about how it also showed us God's plan because God had a plan for salvation for you and me and it required the son of God to be born to live a sinless life to die death that was our death uh, to pay our price and then to resurrect from the dead and to live again today in heaven last week we talked about the actual birth of Christmas and how Christmas was promised long before in the Old Testament how it was prophesied how God promised a coming savior and how only Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, was God keeping his promise, and how today we can trust God with our life because God will keep his promises. All the promises we read of God in scripture, we can trust them to be true because God is not a God that goes back on his word. If he was, he would not be worthy to be God, but because he is holy and righteous, he will keep his word, and what he has promised you, he will deliver you. And we also talked last week about the humble beginnings of Jesus' life um, of the birth story of Jesus, but him being born in a manger outside the inn, and the reason why there was no, um, no gold diapers or gold teething rings or gold streamers flying around at Jesus' birth is because Jesus, I believe, even from infancy, knew his life was not about his life. He came with a purpose. He came with a mission. He came with a plan, and his plan was for you and me to take our place so that we can have salvation through Jesus and have eternity in heaven forever. So that was last week. There was one thing I wanted to share with you last week, but we didn't get to in time. So I want to take just five quick minutes to share with you one other thing that Jesus' birth story teaches us. And that is, is that Jesus is approachable. Jesus is approachable. Um, Jesus was born the way he was born in the humble circumstances to let us know like, hey, I'm just like you. I'm not some, uh, I'm not some mythico- mythological godly figure sitting on a throne looking down at my subjects far removed from their life waiting for you to mess up so I can punish you and show my power over you. No, Jesus was born the way he was born so that he could let you know, so that he could let me know, hey, you can come to me. I am the son of God but I am also here for you. 
I want you to approach me. I want you to feel comfortable with me. I want you to trust me. So I believe that Jesus was born the way he was born so that you and I could come to him in confidence, so that you and I could come to him in faith that he is who he said he is. He will do what he said he will do, and he is approachable today. He's not far removed from your life. He is in your life, and he wants you to come to him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants to be close to you. He is approachable today. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Y'all, we have a Savior that wants us to come close. We have a Savior that invites us in, that wants to be in a close relationship, that wants to sit beside of you in the mornings, that wants to put his arm around you and give you a hug when you need a hug. We have a Savior. Jesus was born so that we can come close to him, not so that he can sit somewhere up high, completely removed from what's going on down here, but he is approachable. I believe we miss out on the meaning of Christmas and the Christmas story when we don't let God do godly things in our life. When, as I was praying earlier, when we try to do, when we try to do godly things in human ways, when we try to meet needs in our life that only God can meet, but we are foolish enough to believe, well, I'm going to give this a shot. Mama told me just to try my best. I'm going to try my best to get to heaven. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. We miss out on the meaning of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth when we try to do godly things in our human powers. I have some bad news for you this morning. I'm looking at some really strong people. I'm looking at some really wise people. I'm looking at some really um, smart people. I'm looking at some really successful people. I am looking at some really beautiful people. But you're not enough. Welcome to Christmas Sunday. You're not good enough. <laughs> you can't do it. You're not smart as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are, but Jesus is. But Jesus is. And Jesus calls us. Jesus calls us to approach him, to come close to him. And we see in Scripture that he was born the way he was born to let us know, I'm with you. I'm there with you. Come to me. So that was last week. This week, we want to look at the three names, or three of the names or, or titles that Jesus was called in Scripture at his birth story. Three of the, the terms uh, given to Scripture, or given to Jesus in Scripture. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says this. 
This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be uh, married to Joseph, but before they came together, uh, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a faithful, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, uh, to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's two names right there given to Jesus, that Jesus will be called one and you are to name him one. We're going to look at those two real quickly, and then there's one more. Uh, the first one is Emmanuel. We talked about Emmanuel last week, so I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Emmanuel. But Emmanuel simply means this, God with us. The fact that we have the very presence of God Almighty in our life today is enough to change your life today. Amen? I have a... Um, a Taekwondo mom friend that I hang out with while the kids are doing Taekwondo. Uh, her name's Kim. Uh, and so I sit with Kim. Kim's little boy's name's Davis. He's crazier than TJ, y'all. I love him. He's great, but he's got more energy than TJ. But I'm, so I'm glad he goes home with Kim at night and doesn't come to my house because I couldn't handle two of them jokers. I can only handle one. Um, we're hoping and we're praying that Annalise's going to be the calm child, right? If she's not, we're in trouble. I, I ain't going to be able to do it. Um, anyway, so Kim is my Taekwondo mom friend. Um, so one day uh, during Taekwondo where the boys are practicing their stuff, we sit over there, we shoot the breeze, right? We talk about the basketball games, we talk about COVID, we talk about the Tar Heels, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we just shoot the breeze. One day, a couple weeks ago, she said, hey, can I tell you something? And anytime somebody says that, like it, to me, it's like a, like this is a serious conversation. I said, yes, ma'am, you can. She said, um, she said, I'm having some physical pain. She shared with me some physical pain she had in her life. The physical pain that she has is a, a physical pain that is a, is a woman physical pain that men know nothing about, okay? So in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you telling me this? I'm a man. She said, I just want you to know. And I, while she's telling me all this, I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to say to this lady? Like, I can't say I know what you're going through, right? Like, I can't say I feel you. Um, I can't offer options to help. Um, so I'm like, what, what, what do I say? And I, well, while she's talking, I'm praying, like, Lord, what do you want me to say? Like, tell me something. If you don't tell me nothing, I'm just going to sit here in silence. Like, I'm just going to sit here like a mute. And then I felt something. I shared with her. I said, Kim, listen, I have no idea what you're going through. I really don't. I said, but I love you. But I know somebody that does know what you're going through. I know someone who, uh, who went through physical pain just like you. I know someone who went through the worst physical pain possible, and that someone is with you today, that someone went through that physical pain for you. Um, Jesus Christ himself has gone through everything that we go through here on, our, on, our, on earth. Um, he knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's with you today. He's the only one that can do for you what you need to be done, and he will never leave you, even when you can't 
feel him, even when you don't experience him, even when that pain is so bad you can't get out of the bed in the mornings, God is with you. He will always be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know somebody that does, and his name is Jesus. And he is the one that can help you get through what you're going through. Kim started to cry. I, I don't cry a whole lot, but I started to tear up. We got this karate master out there with a big old beard, Dwayne, doing his thing. Yeah, I whipped his tail one time. I, I whipped his tail one time, y'all. And Kim and I are over there just crying because we're talking about Jesus. It was great. And I wanted her to know before we left, we ended the conversation, then the class was finished. And before we left, I went up to her one more time. I said, Kim, listen, just know this. The Lord's with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. The Bible tells us here, speaking of God being with us, he tells us that God is with us here in this very moment at, in the Lord's house. Speaking of the church, the Bible says this, that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the supreme being in the church. He's the prominent one in the church. He's the leader who builds the church. He's the chief shepherd who rules the church, and he is present with the church at all times. Believe it or not, right here at 1044 on December the 19th, 2021, you are in the presence of God Almighty right now in his house. He is with you at this very moment. How cool is that? What other reason do we need to praise God today other than the fact that he is with us at all times? In the valley, he's with us. On the mountaintop, he's with us. He will never leave us. When we have money, he's with us. When we don't have any money, he's with us. When our stomach's growling, he's with us. When our stomach's full, he is with us at all times, no matter the circumstances, God is with us. Now, here's the problem. The enemy will try to get you to believe. The enemy will deceive your mind and to think, well, listen, God was with you at church, no question. Of course God's at church. It's God's house. Of course he's there. But when those bills come due and you can't pay them jokers, you don't really believe that God's with you then. Like you were late on your house payment two months ago. Like God's with you? If God was really with you, would he let you go through what you're going through? If God was really with you, would, would he lead you to where you're at? If God was really with you, would you make the decisions that you're making and go the places you go and say the things you say and do the things you do and treat people the way that you treat you? If God was really with you, would, uh, would he let other people treat you the way that they treat you and act to you and say to you and do to you the things they do? The answer, my friends, according to Scripture, not according to me, is an overwhelming, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we have a faith that no matter what's going on out here, that God is here, it will change your life. No matter the circumstances, God's with me. Your life will change. No matter the valley or the mountaintop, God is with me. It will change your life. Emmanuel, God has come. The second name we see given here to Jesus at his birth is, of course, the name 
Jesus, right? Verse 21 there, the angel told Joseph, uh, she, speaking of Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God saves. The name Emmanuel means God with us. I am happy to announce to you today, if you do not know, that God is with you to save you. You guys didn't hear me. God, this is the best news ever, y'all. This is the best news anybody could ever tell you. Listen, God in heaven is with you to save you. Amen. Yeah, that is the best news you could hear all day, all week. God is not only with you, but God is with you to save you. God is with you to save you. From the very beginning of the Jewish people, from the time of Abraham, they've been looking for a savior. They've been waiting for a savior because of the fall of Adam and Eve. They've been in need of a savior. However, they were looking for a king to come in and a political figure and take over and and restore the rights to Israel and Jerusalem in the temple. They were looking for that kind of king. What they got was a servant. What they got was a virgin girl, engaged to be married, born a baby, in a manger, outside the inn, with animals around, with shepherds on the way. They didn't get the kind of king they were thinking. What they got was a servant. They wanted a king with power. They got a servant with authority. And his authority is to save your life. Jesus came with the full purpose to save your life. God is with you to save you. Paul says it this way in Colossians verse 1. He says this. Verse, no, chapter 1, verse 15, he says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Of course, this is Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all, over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. By the way, Anything falling apart in your life today? Jesus holds them together. Your marriage struggling today? Jesus can hold it together. Your job and finances in the garbage? Jesus can hold it together. In him, he holds all things together. Keep reading. Where was I at? Let's go back to verse 17. I don't know. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body and the church, as we just talked about. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that that in everything he might have supremacy. Verse 19, "For uh, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated uh, from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you 
by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. Jesus Christ was born so that he could die for you. God is with you to save you. When no one else could pay the price that was required to pay for salvation, Jesus paid it. When no one else could be that perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice, Jesus did it. When no one else could do what needed to be done, Jesus could do it. Not only could he do it, but we know because of Easter, he did do it. Jesus was born so that he could die for you and for me. That's not just the Easter story, that's the Christmas story. God is with us to save us. The last name we're gonna look at Jesus here, for Jesus here in scripture, is in the book of Luke, Luke chapter two, and it says this. This is when the shepherds, the angels come to the shepherds. Luke two, starting at verse eight, says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. By the way, real angels don't look like what we see in movies. Uh, like angels aren't like babies with, that look like Cupid type thing, right? Like playing a harp. Um, if you ever notice every time you see an angel in Scripture, um, people are scared to death. People are terrified. Um, the reason being is not because they're big, big, bad, like biker looking dudes, right? They're not like Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler, John Cena type people. The reason people are terrified is because angels are holy, because angels are heavenly, because you've never seen anything like that before. They've never experienced anything like that before. And so they're terrified because it's something completely different than what we are in our sin, sinful state ourselves. So we see in scripture that people are terrified of angels. And here these shepherds were terrified. But the angel said to them, um, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. The last name I want to talk about given to Jesus at the Christmas story is that of the Lord. There is no other name used for Jesus in, in scripture more than the Lord. It is used over 600 times just in the New Testament referring to Jesus is the Lord. The earliest Christian creed, the earliest Christian motto, the earliest Christian saying is simply Jesus is what? Yes, Jesus is Lord. We are taught to pray about the Lord. We are taught to talk about the Lord. We are taught to respect and to sing to the Lord. There is no other word used in all of Scripture referring to Jesus more than the word Lord. Let me tell you about the word Lord. The old English word Lord signifies someone in authority. You ever seen some, some movie about some old English time period and they got Lord so-and-so that kind of runs the town or runs the neighborhood or one, runs the country or whatever? You guys know what I'm talking about? 
I'm sure there's some movie you've seen that I have not seen because I don't watch that kind of mess because nobody gets shot or blown up. <laughs> if nobody gets blown up, I don't want to see it. Right? Thanks, fellas. So the old English word means someone who's in authority, the highest authority in a certain area or in a certain uh, realm of, of, of relationship to other people. Much like I am in my house. I am making a declaration right now. Where's my wife? Callie. She's downstairs. Okay, y'all tell her when she gets back up here. From this day on, I declare that her, TJ, and Anna Lee refer to me as Lord Daddy. I am the highest authority in our house. As long as Callie's at work, <laughs> I'm the highest authority in our house. <laughs> okay, so our English word that we have for Lord, it comes from the term loaf warden, like loaf of bread, loaf warden, like a prison warden, <laughs> like a gang warden, right? Loaf Warden. What the loaf warden was, it's the highest person in a family, it's the highest authority person in a community, it's the mayor, it's the governor, it's the president, whatever. It's the most authoritative person in a group of people. And that person, that Lord, was in charge of giving out the bread. That person was in charge of distributing the bread to making sure that the people that he had, here had authority over had enough bread to eat at the right times. He was the loaf warden. Does that make sense? He was in charge of giving out the bread. Uh, even today in England, a mayor of a, of, a, of a city is called the Lord Mayor of whatever the city was because that's the highest authority in that city. Does that make sense? So our English word, loaf warden, is where we get the word Lord from. And I hope you know today, I hope you know today that our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just give out bread. He doesn't just give out physical bread for you to eat. No, Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, he holds everything that we need and he's the one that gives everything that we need. Every blessing that we need in our life, he's the loaf warden. He holds it and he distributes it distributes it. He holds it. He gives it out. So what does that mean for us? A couple things. Number one, we can trust that God will take care of us because he has everything that we need. And number two, we got to trust his timing that he will give us what we need when we need it. Right? We've got to trust his timing that he will give us what we need when we need it that he will meet that need. He is the Lord. He is the loaf warden. He is the one that has everything that we need. He is the one that distributes everything that we need. He is Lord. So my question for you as we close this part of our service before we do communion is do you know him as Lord? For him to be Lord in your life means that he is the highest authority in your life. 
He's above the president. He's above the governor. He's above me, thankfully. Gosh, I hope so. He's above mom and dad. He's the highest authority in your life. The way you can test that is do you trust him? Do you trust him to take care of you when you need taken care of? You may believe that he has the bread. He may, you may believe that he has the blessings. But do you trust that he will distribute what you need when you need it? Paul calls us in Romans, he says, to be saved, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the bottom line of Christianity. That's the bottom line of Christmas. Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you know that Jesus is Lord? He has what you need. He distributes what you need. Do you know it? Have you trusted it? If not, Man, I cannot think of a better time than Christmas Sunday morning, 2021, for you to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on up, band. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to change this up, Alex, wherever you're at. <laughs> we're going to do something a little different. Just be ready. All right. We're going to say a prayer in just a minute. The band's going to play two songs. As the band is playing, just play them both back to back. As the band is playing, um, you are invited to come up and partake in communion. Before the band starts playing, let me share with you real quickly about communion. We are uh, instructed in Scripture, Paul instructs us in Corinthians, to do this, to take part of communion, remembrance in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me. So what you will do is you will come up, you will get one little cup, has a piece of bread. That bread represents the body of Jesus. That bread is Christmas. That bread is the body, is the life of Jesus Christ. And that bread and that body was broken, it was beaten, it was whipped, it wore a crown of thorns, it took nails in his hands and nails in his feet, and his body hung on a cross for six hours for you and for me. You will take a piece of the bread. You can also take a little cup of juice. That juice represents the blood of Jesus. That juice represents the blood that was poured out that blood that was shed on the cross for the salvation of your sin, your life, and mine. That blood is what cleanses our souls. That blood is what God the Father sees in heaven at judgment. He sees that we have the blood of Jesus on our life. That blood is what makes us holy. That blood is what makes us new. That blood is what forgives our sins. So as we sing in a few minutes, in a few seconds, whenever you want to, 
just do me a favor. Don't everybody come at one time, right? We're going to sing two songs. You got two songs. Take your time. Worship with the music. When you feel ready, come up here. Get a cup of, with the bread, a cup of the juice. Partake of it whenever you would like. If you would like to spend time in prayer at the front, you're more than welcome. If you would like to sit at your pew and pray silently to yourself and then take the elements of communion, you're more than welcome. If you would like to stand up here, you're more than welcome. Do whatever you want to do. We want to play two songs worth. You come up here and partake in the communion of our Lord Jesus that represents his body and his blood that was broken and poured out for you and for me. Amen? Let's pray together. God, again, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. God, we thank you that you are with us. God, we thank you that you are with us to save us. God, we thank you for being a God that that doesn't just want us in heaven, but made a way for us to get to heaven. We thank you for being a God that doesn't just want us to do right, but makes a way for us to do right. We thank you for being a God that doesn't, require, that doesn't just require the forgiveness of sins, but offers us the forgiveness of sins. God, thank you for being with us to save us. And God, thank you for being the Lord of our life. God, thank you. Thank you for being the Lord that has everything that we need that is capable of providing everything that we need, that is more than enough to provide everything that we need, that has already provided everything we need through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, thank you today for Christmas. God, I pray over the next few minutes as we worship, as we sing, as our heart connects with your heart, that we will partake in the communion elements of bread and juice in remembrance, in holiness, in reverency of who you are and what you have done for us. God, you today are worthy of our praise. We love you, Jesus.